Welcome back. We will be looking at the second half of chapter 42 of the Tanya. But don't worry, I'll start by uh, putting you in the loop. We are on a journey. A journey to make God relevant in our lives. And along that journey, to figure out how we can excel, what our mission is, what we can achieve, and how we can achieve it. In the first chapters of the Tanya, we got to know ourselves, our godly soul and our animal soul. The two drives and lives that exist within us, under one hat. How on the one hand, we are uh, driven like any human being after personal pursuits. And how on the other hand, we have spiritual aspirations. In chapter 15 of the Tanya, we spoke about going the extra mile. And we spoke about how in order to go that extra mile, there needs to be the motivation. There needs to be a, a stronger engine. And what is that motivation? What pushes us to go beyond ourselves, to do beyond what we thought we could achieve? It's a relationship. A relationship with Hashem. And we spoke at length about developing a love and fear of Hashem, a desire to be connected to Hashem, and a fear of being separated from Hashem. And we spoke at length about revealing a natural love that we all have within ourselves. And then we spoke about a lot of other important things, about dealing with depression, serving Hashem with joy, what the purpose of the world is, why we were created, about bringing God into the lowest of places, the debate of intention versus action, how on the one hand action is what matters most, how on the other hand intentions make a real difference to the way we do things. And then we came to chapters 41, 42 and onwards where we put up a little bit of a focus on fear of God or awe of heaven. And uh, this concept seems quite foreign or maybe strange or uncomfortable to many. I want to have a loving relationship with God, but why would I want to have, why would I want to be afraid of God? That doesn't sound like a very healthy space to be in. But we spoke in chapter 41 how this is actually a, a big foundation of the service of God. And that is that our relationship with Hashem should not only be like a son to a father, which does things because he loves him, but also like a servant to his master that does things because he respects him. And as much as we need love, we need respect in every relationship. And certainly, certainly in our relationship with Hashem. And we described how this basic, actually natural, hidden fear that every, God, that every person has for Hashem is important not only to stop us from sinning, but also in how we do our mitzvahs. That we shouldn't only do our mitzvahs out of inspiration of how good it feels for me, but also out of a sense of awareness of the awesomeness and greatness of Hashem. Are you with me?
In the last class, the first half of chapter 42, we quoted a statement from the Torah where the Torah says, Moshe says to the Jewish people, what does God ask of you other than to fear him? He doesn't ask for much. All he asks is for you to fear him. And the Gemara asks, He is fear a small thing. The Gemara answers, In, yes, for Moshe it's a small thing. And the Tanya asked the obvious question, How does that help? Moshe was talking to all of the Jewish people. And the Tanya explained that there's a level of Moses within every one of us. What we discussed in the last class was the following. How do we develop a genuine respect and awe and even fear of heaven? Three steps. The first step is to connect to the Moses within me. What is the Moses within me? So there are different types of nishabas, there are different types of souls. There are Moses level souls and there are lower level souls. Every soul comes from a good place, it comes from heaven. But sometimes when the soul is in the body, it doesn't feel that same experience, that same connection to Hashem that it did when it was in heaven. But for a Moses it does. For Moshe Rabbeinu, even while the soul is in the body, it feels very much in touch with God. God remains very much real. And we all have a level of Moshe within us. And when we're able to tap into the, uh, this natural resource that we have, which is this, um, this awareness with the, where Hashem is real for the Neshama, then that could give us the ability to, to make God real in this way. That was step number one. And not just Moses within us, but also the Moses within every generation. The Tanya mentions how um, that there's a, the Zohar quotes, um, the Zohar explains that there's an extension of Moses in, in every generation. And what a Rebbe teaches us is how even within the physical world, God can be real and tangible. Not just spiritual, not just philosophical, not just uh, um, inspirational, but real. But says the Tanya, it takes a lot of hard work. And what is the discipline that we're speaking about over here? We're talking about developing Das. Das does not just mean knowledge. It's not just information. It doesn't just mean to know that there's a God because you've learned about him and now you know that he's there. It means more than that. Das is where a person is able to become so... Um, he focuses so much on God to the point that it becomes real in his life. And the analogy that's brought is of a difference between hearing about something and seeing something. As long as you've heard about something, it could remain irrelevant. But once you've actually seen it, then it has a deep impact on you. I mean, we've all heard a lot about Mount Kilimanjaro, but we've only heard about it. But somebody that was there, that actually saw what they saw, it, it, it had a deep impact on the person. When you look at something and you see it, then it, then it changes you. And the Tanya says that we need to 
look at God as if we're looking at something physical. Which raises the obvious question, which is, that is not physical. How could we be asked to look at God like you would look at a painting, or at a mountain, at an ocean, where he's not a painting, he's not a mountain, he's not an ocean, he's nothing physical. So how can we focus on something that actually isn't physically present? So the Tanya says, maybe I'll sum it up as three points. First point is that we've got to remember that Hashem is watching us. Even if we don't see Him, He sees us. And just as if there's somebody in the room that you're, not, you're going to behave differently, you're not going to act as if nobody's in the room. That's just a human condition, which is why Rabbi Yechman Mazaka, one of the great sages, said to his students before he passed, they asked him, what's your message? He said that you should fear God as much as you fear man. He said, that's it. He said, if only that. Meaning when somebody's in the room, you behave differently. So if you realize that God is always watching, that God is always in the room, that he's watching what we're doing, then that will cause us to behave differently. Now you may ask, but he's not. He's not he, he doesn't have a body. He's not physical. A physical person is physically present and he's watching. But God's, like, he's, 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 he's not physically present. So the Tanya says, that doesn't reduce his sight of us. It only increases his sight of us. As long as a person is physical and is looking through a physical prism, then the person's uh, perception will be limited to the person's physical abilities of what they're able to see. But as far as Hashem, since he is not in a physical body, he is not defined and limited by what people can see. And therefore he sees everything. And so we need to train ourselves and remind ourselves to be aware of the fact that he's actually watching us. And that will make it real, yes. But that, that's based on, on um, the assumption that you accept there's a God and you believe in God. Because you, you, you're attributing a power to him that is a given. Uh. So where's, where's free choice? I mean, if you could physically see God, you wouldn't have the choice to deny him. Mm-hmm. Because it's absolute knowledge now. Yeah. So where are we getting this absolute knowledge from? Unless it's something you're telling you it's inherent. Yeah. The other part of that is in you. Yeah. So I think it, it boils down to the two souls. Okay. As far as hu- as human beings, we could we could debate it. You know, if you can't touch, feel, see, whatever it is, then, then then how do you know that he's there? And there's good debates and there's good arguments in favor. Um, that's from an intellectual perspective. It could be, it could be up for debate. Great discussions. Uh, the, the first that comes to mind is the, the student that wrote a poem in his, master's, in his teacher's absence and the teacher came back and he said that the, the ink spilled. He said the ink doesn't spill into a poem. So he said, yes, this whole planet Earth didn't just spill into the Earth. So there are, there are proofs, but that's all coming just from, the, uh, from even the animal soul, just from, from, as a human being. But as a Jew, absolutely, we have a part of Hashem within us. And from our Neshama's perspective, He's real because that's what the Neshama experiences. It's, 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 it's a given. It is. It's, it's. In every discussion, there's got to be a starting point. And for the Neshama of a Jew, the starting point is God. It's, 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 it's just what we believe. It's what makes sense to us. It's, 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 it's reality, actually. 
as opposed to all of the nonsense that goes on around the world. And we have this continuous dual, uh, uh, almost, we could even fluctuate between these two perspectives, between the worldly perspective and the godly perspective. It's, or it's re- referred to in Hasidic terminology as Das Elyon and Das Tachtoin, which means a, a knowledge from above or a knowledge from below. From the knowledge from below, what's around us is real and what's distant is not. From above, what's around there is real and what's distant is not. So we have these two very opposite realities that we sometimes fluctuate between. The reality between where God is what's real and anything else is up for debate. And the reality where what I uh, see is real and everything else is up for debate. But, but, but yeah, we've got to tap into our Neshama to the level of Moses within us. It's, it's real. And from that perspective, what were we saying? We were saying that reminding ourselves that Hashem is watching us. At some point, do you have to have a leap of faith somewhere? Or are you saying no? It's almost like having a leap of faith, not to deny what is there. Not to prove what's there. Yeah, but I think it's almost like it's not a it's not a proof that I'm asking about. It's there's a difference between absolute knowledge, she has a desk, you know it's a desk, and knowing that there's a God. You know, it's in your Noshoma, I understand that, but then why isn't everybody uh, completely observant? Uh, so, so, so as far as your question, is there a necessary step of a leap of faith? Yes. I don't believe that the big leap is to accept that there's a God. I think the big leap is to do something that we're not comfortable with or something that we're unsure about because of our belief. I think that through the study of study about God and the study of Hasidus, the more we study, the more the, the, the challenge of life becomes less about is he real? And does he exist? It becomes more, he becomes more and more apparent, more and more obvious. But that requires the mind, not the, the fleshly eye alone, won't notice that. Um, just like you could have a uh, two-year-old. Uh, I don't want to use a bad example. I'm trying to quickly think of a better example. Um, okay, I got a better example. But um, a two-year-old could walk around in where they've prepared, where there's going to be a bar mitzvah, a wedding. And, and, and the child, he sees the cupcakes and he sees all whatever the goodies that he enjoys. But he's completely uh, unaware of the fact that there's actually a bar mitzvah taking place. Because he just sees what his eye sees. He sees the cupcakes, he sees the chocolates, and the cocoa and all the, all the junk that's there. And he just, he needs to be taught by his parents that this is... Um, this is a symptom of the fact that there's a big event taking place. The same thing would be in the negative, you know, to if a child walk into a space where maybe the place was ransacked and the child's completely, and the parent immediately walks in and like, hey, what's going on over here? Like something, something seems different or something special or something's not right. So there's the physical eye and there's the intellectual eye. And, and, and as long as we know it's really the closing words of chapter 42 is that we've got to train ourselves. As long as we don't train ourselves, then we could be oblivious. So this, is, this I don't believe is about the leap of faith. 
I think it's really about training ourselves to be cognizant of a godly reality. It's, it's, it's not just at some point you got to just jump and believe. I think the more we remind ourselves of us, the more we study about it, the more real it becomes. And that is the takeover of chapter 42. Which is an education. Yes. But, 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 but we, could be, we could educate ourselves from today till tomorrow, but every one of us in our own lives at times needs to take that leap of faith, not in belief, but in action, where you actually need to be ready to, I guess, um, jump into the pool, to, 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 to do something that just is not, doesn't, doesn't, we don't feel comfortable or safe to make that jump. Uh, in, in any area, it's a, whether it be in, uh, whether it be, I don't know, turning off our phone, or davening, or Shabbos, or whether it be, giving 10% to charity. In every area, we have areas where it becomes difficult, where it's like, how's this going to work? And we say, no, we've got to trust in Hashem that it's going to work. But that's not, it's, it's there, the challenge is to push ourselves to do something that we're worried about how it would work. And I guess it's about, this is a broader thing which exists in, in, in the secular world as well, which is about, you know, business ventures and taking that step and taking that jump. So, so, so it's certainly there's a level of, there's a concept of as a result of our faith, we've got to be willing to take a leap. But as far as uh, awareness of God, it's just through trading. That's what I believe. That's what I've experienced. That's, that's, that's what I experience. Just do it. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, so that, this is the first step. The first step is to remind ourselves that God is watching us. This is, you spoke about already in the beginning of chapter 41. How Hashem is here and is watching us. And if we say that we don't see him, that doesn't make him less um, uh, present. It makes him more present. Right? If a, a thief is trying to break into the house, as long as they know where the security guard is, then that's pretty easy to plan how to get around him. Or you have, then as long as they know the cameras. But if they know that there's hidden cameras, and there's, there's other stuff going on, then how are they supposed to plan their break-in? They, they don't know where they're being seen, what's being seen. So... Uh, we remind ourselves that Hashem is not only present as much as the person in the room that sees us, but He's really watching us the whole time. And that is the first step to make God real, that we have at all a, a fear, a basic fear that we don't want to sin because He's watching. But then the Tadya says that there's a second step. And that is not just to realize that God is watching us through His hidden cameras, so to speak, but that we can, what we can see him too. He's here. What does it mean that he's here? How can we see him? Because remember, we said that just like you would gaze at a painting until it becomes real in your life, so should you gaze at God. How are you supposed to, where, where am I supposed to look exactly? Where am I going to find him? Tanya makes a very interesting observation. When there's a person in the room, what do you see? physical body. Is that what gives you a level of awe? The person's physical body? No. So what makes you uh, respectful or, or, or in awe? What you don't see. They Which all, is? The aura, the way the neshama, the presence. The presence. Awe, so, so is that something physical? The presence. The presence. 
Is it presence physical? Yes, not that. If it's an ass presence, it can. But it can also be the aura around the person, the impact they have, the stature. So what we're discovering is that what you see is actually not what is making the impression, and what is making the impression is not actually something that you see. In other words, there's a body and there's a soul, as you described. We only see the body. We don't see the soul of the person. We don't see the personality of the person, but specifically the personality that is having the impression on us. So we're looking at one thing, but that one thing reminds us there's something else that's present. If the person was fast asleep, so you wouldn't feel that same consciousness that you knew they were fast asleep, then you, you, they're sleeping. They're still there, but they're not, they're not watching you. If you. On the other hand, you know that they're awake and they're alert. So you're more intimidated by what they're thinking about you than uh, by the color of their shirts. So it's an interesting phenomenon, says the Tanya, that what actually gives you that sense of awe or intimidation or respect is actually something you can't see. And what you can see in, doesn't have any inherent value. In fact, even if they're wearing a dozen layers, says the Tanya, it doesn't reduce your respect for that person because beneath those layers is the person. Says the Tanya that the world is God's body. Talking about trading, how we look at things. We don't see God. We can't see God. But we could see him in the room by seeing his body. When we begin to realize what is a body? A body is a vehicle through which a person expresses themselves and engages with us. That's what the person's body is. He uses his hands to, to give a hug or uses his feet to move places. So God uses this physical world in order for him to express himself. Hashem uses all of nature and all of the elements and, and the world around us all as mediums through which he operates. So if we train ourselves to view the world as God's body, then we can focus and stare at God as you would look at a painting. We're looking at God's painting. You go outside and you look at the beautiful, whatever it is, whether it's the weather or the trees or the mountains, or whatever it is in our lives, and we say, hey, this is now God. This is, this is Hashem operating in this world. He's now blowing the woods. He's now shining the sun. He's now giving me a beautiful view or whatever it may be. So he's here. And the more I stare at him and the more I train myself to see him, then the more real he'll become. And so it requires training. We all need a workout. We need a spiritual workout, spiritual training. The Tanya uh, interestingly points out the Hebrew word emunah, which means faith, has the same meaning or the same letters also mean. Hitamed means to train. Training in Hebrew is hitamnut. Faith requires training. When we, when we train ourselves to not only remember that God is watching us, but we train ourselves to discover God in everything that's going on around us, then we strengthen our faith. There's a, a, there, was a, there was once a, a rabbi that came to the Fit Chabad Rebbe. He was a, a messenger from a different Rebbe, the Shlonimer Rebbe, 
And he asked him, Shemi, give me a vart. Give me, a, give me a, an insight. And he said that, like this, we read in the Torah that God says he appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Rashi says that it was the, he appeared to the forefathers. Ela Abbas. So the obvious question is, obviously he, we know that he appeared to the forefathers because it says in the verse, he appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Yes, those are the forefathers. What was Rashi adding by saying that he appeared to the forefathers? So the Hebrew word for Abbas, which means the fathers, Avot, also means to, to desire. Hashem didn't desire, or a taiva means a desire. It's the same Hebrew. Aleph, actually, one's with a vav, one's with a vase. That's, I guess it was maybe a play on words. But that same avot could mean, be read either as the fathers or could be to the, the desires. And he said that my Rebbe taught that God appears himself to those that desire. What does that mean? That Hashem becomes evident. That, that to those that desire to see him. And so yes, as long as we don't want to see him, then we won't see him. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll see him uh, and, uh, when things go wrong. <laughs> then we'll say that, you know, why is God doing this? But if we desire to see him, and don't just desire to see him, but we fulfill that desire by training ourselves on a daily basis, as Tanya says, it requires tremendous effort, effort of the body and effort of the soul. Effort of the body is to stop messing around, to stop doing sinning. Because every time we sin, we desensitize ourselves to a godly reality. We get absorbed in the materialism. So it requires effort of the body to refrain from sin that, that, that clouds this godly reality. And it requires effort of the soul to train and put an effort into seeing God and to stare at God and to observe God and all the world around us in his grand big body. And if we're able to walk out of the wake up in the morning and look out the window and walk around and train ourselves to continuously say, hey, this is God. This is God's body. This is the vehicle through which God expresses himself. Then we're able to imbue within ourselves a respect and awe of him that will help us stay away from doing the wrong thing. Mikhail. I like the Questions? Example. I like the example. The simple, simple.